This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. God is faithful. I'm believing that all of you all know the faithfulness of God, especially COLW family, and you're holding on to that faith, and you're exercising that faith. Everything that's going on now, we have been prepared for. God has already prepared us for it way before this, so we are prepared, and we're thankful that God is with us at this time, and we go forward in spirit and in truth, because God is God, and nothing's ever going to change that. Amen? Nothing's ever going to change that, and we are not going to be changed by anything other than the fact that He is God and God alone. Amen? Now, if you will, go in your Bible, go to me, go with me to Hebrews chapter 11 in your Bibles. And let's park there for just a second. Now, in a teaching ministry, in which we are, we are a teaching ministry. Let me tell you the difference, because for those that may be streaming live, there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Preaching is ex, uh, proclaiming. It's proclaiming. And we do that when it's the proper time to do it. It's proclaiming. But teaching is explaining. So we do a lot of explaining. We do a lot of things. We talk, but, you know, we found in the Bible where Jesus did more teaching than he did anything. He preached as well, but he, did, he always taught them sin, or he set up on something, and he began to teach them. And so our founding pastor left us all with that in our hearts, to be teachers. And so we teach so that you can grow and develop, and we explain the scriptures. And I believe that God has put an anointing on this ministry, and every minister in this ministry, to be those types of teachers that can explain and break down the scriptures and give you examples that you can hold on to. So we started this on last week, understanding and, and being restored by the master's hand. And so we started this last week. So I'm going to go over some of the things that we talked about last week, some old information, and then I'll start the new information. And I do that for a reason. I do that so that you can have continuity of thought and that you can follow along. I hope you were taking notes. If you weren't last year, last week, then you know this week. You, you, whenever you're visiting this ministry, you need a notepad because you're going to learn something. It's something you want to write down so that you can go back. Not just to write down, but you can go back and look at, especially since you're isolated or quarantined or whatever we want to call it. You have something to look at. Amen. So in Hebrews chapter 11, we have we had just came off of teaching. Well, God is God has been preparing us for the last few months for different just just different areas of our life, getting us prepared for His next move. And so now I told you that in this set of teaching or this series of teaching, now God has shifted a little. He shifted and having us began to minister on restoration because restoration is so very important when it comes to being prepared for what God is going to do next. Now, being in the situation that the country's in now and that your life's in right now, you, you should know something is coming next. Something is coming next. So God said, I want you prepared for what's coming next. God has already said, I mean, God has been dealing with our ministry about his next move. And, you know, because God doesn't give you all the details. He just tells you what, you know, he just tells you exactly what you need to do to get prepared for it. 
For example, God has already prepared us for the coronavirus. He didn't say coronavirus, but he told us different ways how to prepare our lives. And see, and, and that's what we do. He told us that we should walk as one so that none suffer lack because times were coming like this. See, little things that he told us that we can go back and look at and be like, oh my God, he was preparing us all along for this. Yes, he has. So there should be no shock. There should be no awe. There should not be a place where you just so afraid and you're fighting out fear. What are you fighting out fear for? We belong to a mighty God, a mighty God. Amen. And so in this, let's go over some of the things that we talked about uh, on the on last. Well, let's read Hebrews 11 and 7. And, um, what is it? 7. First, Hebrews 11, verse 7. And we talked about Noah. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Sound like that. It says that by faith, nor being warned of God by things not seen as yet. See, that's what God was doing with preparation for us. He's warning us about things that you don't see yet. And so that when it comes, you're prepared. So it said that was not seen uh, yet as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by that, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the right righteousness which is by faith let me read that again by faith Noah being warned of good of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith and I told you and I want you to put that in your remembrance and I want you to always be able to say it that God didn't save Noah from the flood he warned him of it that's, that's, that's powerful to know. So God, God is not going to save you from certain things, but he's going to warn you beforehand so that you can prepare. Because, you know, a lot of things that's happening is according to the word, and they're going to happen. But you can be prepared when you've got your fingers on the pulse of God. And then Noah's preparation, God warned Noah of the flood, but I'm going to tell you right now, Noah's preparation is what saved his family. That's what saved his house. So God warns, and we have to prepare. That's a good deal to write down. God warns, and then we prepare. That's, all, that's our part. See, everybody has their part. Even God, he set it up that way. God said, I'll warn you, and then your part is to prepare. You got that? And then we said, if you have to, um, that we, I told you that it takes faith. To prepare. You have to believe the instructions of God and be willing to obey those instructions without visible evidence. See, you don't have to see anything. That's not faith. You don't have to see what God is saying. You have to believe what he said and you walk according to that. And then I told you God never speaks to us about today. Never. Whenever God speaks to you, he's speaking to your heart about things that's coming in the future. So remember that as well. God is not going to speak to you about today. And if something happens in your life today, I promise you, he talked to you about it before. You may not have recognized it, but he's never going to speak to you about what, what's happening today. He'll always let you know beforehand. So we talked about that at length. And then we went to Philippians chapter 2. Go over to Philippians chapter 2. Chapter 2 and 12. 
Amen. And it reads, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as as in my presence only, and that right there is a message within itself, but we're not dealing with that right now, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'll read that again. Wherefore, C-O-L-W, wherefore, men and women of God, Wherefore, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It wouldn't change the scripture for me to say, say this. Wherefore, C-O-L-W, as you've always obeyed, obeyed, when we all came together and we was all in each other's presence, but now that we're absent from each other. You got that? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. And I told you that God, I'm God's person and so are you. You are God's person. And you know what? And we, God wants to heal us. He wants to repair us. He wants to build each one of us up. He's like, I want to build you. And I want to rebuild a lot of you. Because there's a lot of things that's going on in your life and you have to, that's all a part of restoration. You have to be rebuilt. Restoration by the master's hand. Amen. And then we went to Philippians chapter 3. But I'm not going to go through all the scripture because i got a lot of new information and we're going to work on through that. We, and then I told you we have to work with hope. You've got to get your hope way up. Amen. In order for my life to be restored, I have to walk out my own salvation. You gotta walk it out. You got, well, you gotta work it out. Because, you know, the world walks it out. We gotta work out our own salvation. It just told us here. And so that's a constant thing. All the way to Jesus' return. You gotta constantly, constantly work out your own salvation. God said, Jesus said, listen, you're gonna have to work it out. I'm gonna show, I'm gonna tell you how, and then you must work it out. And then we said what the word salvation means. Salvation, we said, uh, means to be healthy, to be whole, but it also means preservation. I'm telling you, salvation means a whole lot of different things. And, and, And everybody likes to look at salvation in one way and just say, I'm not going to hell. But God did more with salvation in the one that we're talking about and the, the way that we're talking about it in this particular series of teaching is it's a salvation where you can be made whole on this side. You know, yes, we know that you've confessed the Lord Jesus and you believe that he was the son of God and you've made him your own and you're going to heaven. But God wants you to live fully whole, built up, secure, healed right here. When he wants you with the abundant life. And so that's what this salvation is. The abundant life right here, right now. The word salvation, it also means to be delivered from evil. And I believe all of us want to be delivered from evil. The word work out, uh, now I like that. The word work out means accomplish. Now that means for every work that I'm going to do, I'm going I'm to accomplish something. I'm going to get some things done. I'm going to make sure that I bring something to where God wants it to be. So to work out your own salvation is to accomplish my salvation. Amen. Work out, work out also means to, to do something to bring about a result. Now, if you want a result, then you need to work it out. Just work it out. Now, to work out also means, well, we're going to have to learn how to work out 
what God is working in. Remember that? God is working in you, but you've got to work it out. You cannot ask God to work out your salvation. God said, no, I'm working in you, and you've got to work it out. Whatever he's working in you, you have to work it out. And you can. Amen? And then I told you the intent is to prepare us for God's next move in our lives. And I told you to make it personal, that God is preparing you for the next move in your life. Make it personal. You need to make it personal. Amen. Preparing myself for God's next move in my life. Amen. So, we know that. We also said that I have to be prepared for the next phase of my life. Remember? See, that not only is it going to be moved, there's different phases of life that we go to. You must be prepared. You ought not want to go into one another time where you are unprepared. Another phase of your life. Now is the time to be prepared. Like, okay, I've gone the... See, you can't change what's all, what already is. But you ought to make it, you ought to make it your, your business to say, you know what, I'm not going into not another phase without being prepared. And guess what? You belong to this ministry. We're going to give you everything you need so you don't have to. Now, you can reject it. You cannot do it. You can think it's just me and it's not God. And you may not be prepared. But I'm here to tell you. Everything that I'm speaking is from the very throne of God, and it is God speaking. You have to, you got to take the, you know, you need to blind yourself to the physical person up here and listen for the voice of God, because he's the one speaking. And when he speaks, that's what you want to grab a hold to. But we're going to find out how we do that later on. Amen? And then we said, we don't, I, I told you again, we don't want to enter into another phase of life unprepared. Then we said... That the problem is that a lot of people in their walk with God have been playing hurt. And we gave you the illustration how, how basketball players, football players or whatever, and they play hurt. And they're not good for the, the next game because they, they, they played with an injury. And a lot of times that would, that's what we do in the, in the, uh, in the body of Christ. We keep pushing and, and going forward when we know that we're in trouble and we just keep doing things that's outside of the will of God and then we expect it to just all of a sudden one day wake up and I'm, I'm back and I'm good. No, no, you're on the sideline because you have played hurt way too long and now you have to heal. But I also told you, no matter how hurt you are, you still come to the game. You still come to church and you sit there and you learn. It's, nothing blesses me more than somebody that's been out of the will of God and they come to church and just be quiet. Now that impresses me. You know why? Because then you can hear. Don't give me I, you know what? Don't give your input. Don't, even if you have it just find it within yourself to just be quiet. Humble yourself and just be quiet because you have played hurt and you are injured and you're coming back limping and you still want to have some input. How many of you know when, when, when someone is hurt on the sidelines, the coaches are not looking for no input from them or anything. None of the players just sit there. And because you're going to get back in the game one day, but this is not your season. It's not your time. And that, that speaks volumes to me. I watch for that. Because that speaks volumes to me. But when you try, but when you try to do something and you've already, you already played hurt, then you're all over the place and you, you, you just, okay, you be making, you're making a fool of yourself. Just stop it. 
Just stop it. I'm, I'm giving you what you need now so you can stop it. It's nothing wrong with sitting on the sidelines. I'm not going to continue there. We're going to go on. And I told you the purpose is for me to give you tools that we need to do. Then the tools that we're going to need to do to work out restoration. And listen, I told you I'm going to give you the tools, but I won't work it out for you. I'll give you the tools, and I won't work it out for you. Restoration, we said, is a process. It is a process. You've got to know that. It is a process. Restoration is a process. Restoration takes time and work. And this is where we left off at. And this is where we'll be cared. It's a restoration. Listen, it's a process. It's a process. Restoration takes time and work. You're not going to be whole because you want to be. Or you wish to be. You have to put in the work. Listen, you have been hurt in life, whatever it may be. And some of you that don't belong to this ministry, God is speaking to you this morning. And he's telling you, you have been hurt in life. Yes, you have. And you're not going to be unhurt just because you want it to be. There's a process of time that's going to take place. You've got to put some work in to get over your hurts. Amen? You have to, <coughs> excuse me, you have to put in some work. To strengthen your weaknesses. Now, everyone has weaknesses. So you have to put in the work so that you can strengthen your weaknesses. And everybody, I know my weaknesses. You should know your weaknesses. But you're going to have to put in the work so that, you know, I'm weak in that area. I need to be strengthened in that area. And you need to work on your strength so that it can work on your weaknesses. Because everybody has the weaknesses there. you got to put in work to rebuild the areas of your life that have been broken. It takes work. You got to rebuild the areas of your life that have been broken. It takes work to repair breaches in your life. Uh, you know what? Those those breaches, some you may have just got, but nevertheless, it's a breach. Some may have been around for a while, but nevertheless, it is. Some have been there so long that you don't even realize it's a breach. But God's here to tell you it's a breach. You know, sometimes you can get so used to something that you don't see it anymore. You know, <coughs> you know people, they go out of town to places, let's say like uh, Galveston or you go to California, you go to the beach or, or something, and it's something that you're not familiar with, so you're just sitting and looking and enjoying everybody. But people that live there, they are almost it's so familiar to them, they ride by and don't even see it. They don't even see it, even though it's there. But because they see it every day. And so they just, and so it is with breaches. It could be there so long, you don't even realize it's there. But if you continue with this series, God is going to expose that breach to you so that you can get rid of it. You can close it up so that you can be restored. Amen? And remember, I'm just going to give you the tools to work it out. And that takes time. Let me tell you something. Whenever you, whatever, whatever needs rebuilding in your life, whatever it is, see, it could be different things for different folk. And whatever it is in your life will be rebuilt in the time that it takes to rebuild it. So it doesn't matter how long it takes. Some buildings take longer than others. Some take the time. It's according to what you need to be rebuilt in. But nevertheless, whatever it is, just be rebuilt. Just be rebuilt. Amen? And, and, and be patient. 
At some point, you have to take your mind off of what's going on around you. Take your mind off. You know what? Put your mind on restoration. Church of the Living Water, I want you to put your mind on restoration. That's all I want to hear from you this week. Restoration. When I see things that maybe you post, I just want to hear you talk about restoration. Put your mind on restoration. Amen? There will never be a place where God can use you to help someone else get them where they need to be whole if you don't have restoration yourself. So put your mind on You want to be a blessing to God? You want to be a blessing to people? Then get restored. Get restored. But we have to stop and do the work. So you can't be distracted with, you know, with different things that's going on. You can't get distracted with the, coron- the coronavirus. You can't get distracted. Again, we're not talking about being ignorant and not knowing anything that's going on. You cannot be so caught up that you put God in the background and that's all I'm looking at. All the scrimmages and all the different things going on in your life, let me tell you, and all the battles that, that we see going on around us, it doesn't matter. In all the other countries, we still, God is the God of the whole universe. And He's a good God. So it's not like, oh, did you see what happened? Did you hear what happened over here? Did you hear? He's God over there. There's people praying over there. We never stop to build restoration for ourselves, and we're going to need that, you know what, to fix the problem. You're going to need restoration in order to fix the problem permanently. Now see, I don't know anybody that don't want the problem fixed permanently. It takes time. It takes work. Listen, all of us have some work to do. Paul said it himself. He said, it's not as though I've obtained I press. I keep going. I'm not perfect. Now, if Paul can say that, you can forget thinking you're perfect. perfect. We got to press. Listen, sometimes you can be restored. Listen, and see, this is where people miss it. Sometimes you can be restored. Everything is going just fine. And you feel like, yes, and then life happens. Life happens. What are you going to do? Now you have an issue that you didn't have before. Because you were restored. Everything was going fine. And then this happened. Life. Now you have to go back and work through. But that's called life. See, you can put all the pieces together and feel like everything is... Just like you, just the way you want it. Just the way it should be. Just the way God wants it to be. And life will still happen. Because you live in this world. It'll happen. How many of you know that life happens? If you don't, you will. Life happens. Life happens at the most unopportune time, but it will happen. Now here's a statement I want you to horn in on. There are too many people in the body of Christ, listen, who will never be restored. See, I know if we, you'd like to hear everybody's going to be restored, but I'm not going to tell you that because that's a lie. I'm going to tell you, and it's too many 
that will never be restored. Why do I say that? Because of so many people, they're not going to obey what God says. They're not going to do what God says. And when you cannot do that, when you will not take the tools he gives you, you're not going to be restored. And it's too many in the body of Christ, too many that say they love God that will not be restored. And that's not my desire for Church of the Living Water. That's not my desire. Our purpose in my heart to make sure that every member is restored. That's my purpose. I have a hope. I want everybody to say, Pastor, I want a spiritual, a healthy spiritual life. I want to be whole. I want a life that's preserved. It's nothing too hard for God. And let me tell you, and when you say that, things come along with that. It's not automatic. It's not automatic. Things are going to come with that. Oh, God. I mean, let me tell you, if it's not the adversary that's going to come, something something in harm's way, something is going to come and try to get your confession and your purpose to do exactly what God said. you got to recognize it and say, oh, you know what, I see that. Mm-mm. Because the enemy knows if you can restore yourself, you will also be able to restore your house and save it. He knows that. See, the, the, the thing about it is the enemy knows more about what's going on than you. And God has already shown us. And he said, if you ever get restored, if you ever really walk in that truth, I won't only save you, but the whole house. But the enemy said, oh no, I've got to give them every reason to doubt what they're saying, every reason. So what do I do? I put a position or something to come up and make life happen. Shake them a little. They're trying to stand on what God says. Hmm. You can't be moved. We cannot. But many of us, we grew up in church, grew up around church folks. You know, you grew up around church folks that you know that spent the most of their life and the whole of their life that you know, but never was made whole. Oh, they could dance a jig and they could shout a jig and they could do all of that. But in reality, they were never whole. Never hold. That's not going to be our testimony. That will not be our testimony. Our founding pastor laid too great a foundation for us to just slop over it. Not to be made whole. He left a sure foundation for us in Jesus. He left a sure foundation. He dug deep all those years just to get us founded. And getting us like, okay, now you all establish everything. We can do that. Amen. And I don't understand why people want to serve God and not the benefits. You ought to want the benefits of God. And and, and to get the benefits of God, you're going to have to do what he says do. Why serve God and and not get the benefits? I don't listen. I don't want to serve God, and everything is going wrong in my life all the time. Where's the benefit? I guarantee you, if everything is going wrong in your life all the time, you are not. You not need a lot of restoration. That is not the testimony of a believer. 
And see, I know the first thing going on in your head is money. Because that's where you are. But it's a lot more things that's going on in your life besides money. A lot more. So stop this. Get, get your head out of money. Amen? So I'm not going to just serve God and not have the benefits. It's like leaving a promise on the table. Unfulfilled. Not good. So if he promised me life and life more abundantly, why don't I just work it out until I get it? Until I get it abundantly. So I can have it. It's going to cause you to work it out. It's time. Here's my goal. See, I'm still laying the foundation. I want you to know I haven't gave you a tool yet. I'm just laying the foundation. I'm not even going to give you, I haven't even given you not one tool yet. Here's my goal of this whole series. It is for us to be established and productive. Mm. And we're going to get in that. It is for us to be established and productive. Because that's really what it means to be restored. Now notice what I said. Established and productive. That means I need to be both. Established and productive. I want to say something to our church members. You listen up and those that are streaming, you listen as well. But, but listen, especially Church of the Living Water. Our church is a good church. I know that. I belong here. It's a good church. Our church is a teaching church. I found that pastor was a teacher. Hence, every minister is a teacher. And they're great teachers. And you know what? To belong to this church, you learn a lot. You learn how to live in this church. Now, whether you do it or not, is up to you. But you can learn how to live life in this church. And this is the thing. We have people that belong to this church. And this is all the church as a whole. But I'm talking specifically about our church right now. Who are established. When I say that, I, I mean they've gotten their education because of the teaching of this church. They got their employment because of the teaching of this church. They have good employees. They are good employees because of the teachings of this church. They have learned and learning how to handle their finances because of the teaching of this church. And they're living pretty good. A pretty good natural life because of the teachings of this church. They're pretty well established. But they're not productive. See, you're established, but see, in restoration, you must be both. So we have the people that can be established, but not productive. See, you shrugged your shoulders until I said that. Like, I'm, I'm there, but not productive. What do you mean? They're not doing anything to build the kingdom of God. It's all about their life. Not doing anything outside of themselves where God can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, listen, ushering, that's fine, but that's not what God is talking about. 
In the choir, that's fine, but that's not what God's talking about. You're not doing anything. You're established in everything naturally, but as far as being productive, you're not. Then we have people in this church that are productive. Anything that you want them to do, they do it. They'll get it done. Anything that I ask and I, you know, want to put into place, people get it done. You know, they, you know, some just they they do just overboard. They're on the schedule for everything. Never miss an assignment. Always doing what the, the things that God, God would have them to do. Always doing that. But, if you look at their life, they're not established. See, and, and, and this is what God is trying to tell you. You must have both. Now, there are some people in this ministry that are both, but that's very rare. It's very rare that you have people that are both established and productive. Most of the time, as the churches, as a whole, all the churches around the country, you're going to be one or the other. It's very few all over the country that do both. That are productive and established. And you know why that is? They're still carrying hurts, breaches in their life, broken areas in their lives, things that are happening in their life that just doesn't glorify God in their life, health naturally, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, all of that is not where it needs to be. But you are here all the time. But you're here all the time. See, God don't want you to be productive and your life not established. No. And God don't want you established and then you don't, you're, you're doing, you're not doing anything for Him. See, you're not impressing Him being productive but not established. God said, no, I need you to be in both. See, he, we're talking about being restored. You don't want to be product, uh, productive and your life is not established. You, don't, you, you, you just don't want that. God wants us to be established and productive. And again, there's very few members of most churches, including this one, that can do both. We got people here that have everything going on in the natural. But they're not adding anything in the body of Christ. They're not adding anything in the body of Christ. Then we have those who will and can do everything, again, that I ask them to do. But when you look at it, I'm telling you, at, at, they, they'll do anything. But guess what they don't want? Me to show up at their house. See, there's a difference. People need to see that. Established and productive. God wants us to be established and productive. And when I'm one without the other, it's because I'm not whole. It's because I'm not whole. Because when I'm whole, I'm both of them. When I'm whole, I'm both of them. Now, some of you, for the first time, 
just hearing this for the first time, you just realize that you're not whole. And it's okay. Because we are, God is... Restoration by the Master's hand. You just realize, I'm not, you know what? I realize I'm not whole. And you know why? Because if you establish, you've been leaning... Or, or, if you, or if you were productive, you've been leaning on productivity. See, you've been leaning all that way. If you established, you would lean that way. And so it justifies your state you're in. Because you think I'm okay because I'm leaning toward all of this that I'm established. And I think I'm okay. Or I'm leaning, I'm really doing something, I'm productive, and I'm leaning that way. But that justifies you being to yourself okay, the state that you're in. But God said, no. No. I want you both. So I have some things that, are, that will come directly out of what it means to be restored. These are the things that we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. Again, I told you, this is a teaching ministry. We're still laying foundation. I have not given any tools. We're laying foundation. I like to go slow and methodical. Why? Because I want you to learn something, not just say you had church. See, people go to church and all they want to do is just say they had church. And they can't tell you what they talked about. We want to have you to have substance once you leave. So I'm going to teach you in the next weeks. I want to teach us how to rebuild what has been damaged. How to rebuild what has been damaged. If there's any area in your life where something has been damaged, I want to teach you how to rebuild it. That's a tool. Then I want to teach you how to heal your hurts. If there's hurt on the inside, I want to teach you how... To work it out and get your healing. Heal that hurt. Then I want to teach you how to repair your breaches. Now, you said, Pastor keeps saying breaches. What does she mean by breach? A breach, uh, it's just like a broken fence. Like a piece missing. A little gap in a fence. And instead of things connecting, it doesn't because it got a gap in it. That's what a breach is. It's like everything is fine and all of a sudden it's a big gap there. That's a breach. So your life might be fine, but all of a sudden it's a big gap right there in your life. And it's going, that's a breach. I want to teach you how to fulfill that breach where there will be no gaps. Then I want to teach you how to prepare Yourself to be used by God. Because restoration is not only healing, not only rebuilding, not only repairing, but it's also preparing. You see. That some of you say, Pastor, I don't, I don't have any breaches. Okay, but are you prepared to be used by God? Since you don't have any breaches. Are you prepared? According to the way he wants preparation, not you. Then I want to teach us how to be ordered. But I want to teach us how to be ordered to do our part. How to be ordered. O-R-D-E-R. To do our part. See, because a part of being restored means that you can be ordered. (laughs) 
let me let me tell you, tell, show you what that that means. And we have Sarah in here, but she's out of college now. But especially for you college students, because I remember when I was in college, and and you know, and things don't change very much. Yeah, because there ain't nothing new under the sun. But when I when I say order, let me tell you what that means. You know, when you're in college and you broke. See, now, most people that lived at home when they was in college, you didn't know about being broke. But if you went off to school, your tail was broke. And you was talking. And your best friend was a machine. And that machine was called a vending machine. Because that's all your money could afford, and you didn't have that much. And you was busy like, oh, my God, you knew exactly what you were going to do with that money. And, you know, one of it was 75 cents. Well, it might not be 75 cents now or 50 cents now, but I'm just going to use that. But whatever it is, whatever little money you have, you use that for soda, whether it was lunch, breakfast, or dinner, and you will either get the other one for some chips or Snickers or Twinkie or something because that's all you had. But what nothing worse is going to that machine. And it was out of order. And had everything you needed inside of it. And you put that dollar bill in it, it just slide back on. You put them coins in it, fall down at the bottom. But everything you needed was right there. But it was out of order. Hmm. Now that should have just spoke to you right there. <laughs> what God is talking about. You don't want to have everything that God needs and you're out of order. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm telling you, that is a frustrating thing. And especially when you're hungry. To go in a vending machine is out. Well, how, what do you think God do when He goes to you and you're out of order? You've got everything you need. Why? Because you belong to the church of the living water. They're giving you everything you need. But God comes and says... Uh, out of order. Out of order. Uh, we don't. We we don't need to be that. Amen. I want to make sure where God is concerned, and I want to be used by Him. I want to be in working order. Hmm. Because when, if I'm in working order, then I'm gonna benefit somebody else. I'm a benefit with what I have on the inside. Oh yeah, I can benefit somebody else. Then I want to teach us how to be equipped for the work. Because if you're not equipped, you're not restored. You're not, if you're not equipped, you're not restored. Then I also want to teach us how to be strengthened to accomplish His will. Now notice that all of those objectives that I have begin with how to. So, when I give you the tools, I'm going to give you the... And you know what? Right now, get it out of your head. Just the way you put together natural, natural things that you build up. Not listening to the instructions. I'm going to give you the tools, and then I'm going to give you the instructions on what to do with the tools. Don't say, oh, I already know that one. I already know that. And put that tool aside. You're going to come up at the end with some extra parts, that and it will not work. Now, all of those objectives that I'm going to be dealing with you about, they're going to outline our work. These, objects, these objectives is like a course. We're teaching ministry. So it's like a course of study. And it's going to be our foundation to all the other teachings that's going to come forth. We're going to piggyback off of this. 
It's going to cover all the, we're going to, we, you know, all the other teaching is going to be built off of this. You know, I look at it, and some of you that are in college, listen, listen to me, and you can relate to this. You can relate, because I, I was like, God, give me some examples that the, 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 this generation can really grab a hold to. And, you know, when you were in college, you learned very quickly that college was not like high school. It tickles me every time somebody's first semester in, in college. And I say, how was it? They say, oh, it was easy. That was their first semester. It always starts off that way. And they laugh. It was just like, you know, high school, you know, they did that. Yeah, get them two semesters later. They're not saying the same thing. But this is the difference. And, 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 and try to grab this spiritually because I'm going to bring it home spiritually. But in high school, the teachers teach you what they want you to know. But in college, which is different, the teacher teaches or lectures and then sends you out to study and learn what you need to know. Remember I told you? You're paying the college for you to learn yourself. They make you learn. You, you learn yourself. They, have you noticed they don't teach you? You remember your first, your first time in college and you had a test and you'd be like, but they never had nothing on the deal with that, no, because they're not trying to teach you. You got to go. So you found out pretty quick that not only did I have to go to the library, but I had to use other than the books that I had to learn what they were telling me to learn. So you're really teaching yourself, just paying the school to teach yourself. Because the, the professor, that's all they're going to do. The professor's going to give you a lecture and send you out. Go find it. I know you all, you graduates, remember that. You taught yourself. Because they, <laughs> they don't play that. They've learned. they like, if you think I'm going to do you like you in high school, you got the wrong one. I'm going to lecture you and send you out. Go learn it. Now you know why. And those of you that's going to be fresh in college, now you'll know. When you get a test and then you'll be like, they never went over any of this. They're not going to. <laughs> They're not going to. Amen. They never covered that information. Freshmen really got that bad. They never went over that. That's just wrong. <laughs> but then you'll finally learn that they're not trying to teach you what you need to know. They want you to get to know it. The teachers is just giving you, actually, the, the, co the, 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 the college professor, all they're giving you is the curriculum. That's what they're giving you, a curriculum, a broad course of study throughout your semester. And you got to get it. And like I said, you have to go to the library, you got to go get another textbook, you know, and teach yourself. Because why? The professor is just laying out an overall curriculum of study. But you as a student have to do what? work it out. You had to work it out. If you wanted to pass the course. <laughs> so what I'll be teaching you is going to be just the course. Now if you want to call me professor, I'm good with that. But it, you know what? It's just going to be a course of study. And it's going to be a broad outline. 
Again, those of you that don't understand the teaching ministry, I know you don't get to be like, oh, well, that's not really like preaching. It's more like she's just making, yeah, but we'll move on. Because this is what we do. And this broad outline is going to give us what we need to do. And then we're going to have to go back and base it on these objectives that I just gave you. So get ready. But before I get into all these teachings of the objectives, I want you to understand what I mean when I say work it out. When I talk about work it out, because I can hear people saying uh, in the back of their mind, oh, you know what, uh, Pastor, I need to be healed, rebuilt, repaired, but I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? Uh, the professor's here. It's going to be just like going to college. Just, yes, it is. Just for a minute. I'm going to outline how to study and do this work before we ever get the, the first exam. We got weeks of this. Weeks of this. Now I'm going to make this as simple as I possibly can. Start with this. This is still not a tool. I'm still in the foundation. The work, because we got to work it out, the work is obedience. Write it down. The work is obedience. Now, if you're a Christian and you've ever opened your Bible and read it, in the reading of that Bible, God has shown you something that you needed to work out. I'm going to tell you that now. I don't care if you just flopped it open and didn't know what it, and you read something, God is going to tell you something that you need to work out. Remember, he's working in you. You got to work it out. Work it out. If you ever read the Bible, if you ever read a verse and you got there and God spoke to you about what you need to do based on what you just read and he'll do that, you spend your time in the Bible and you read it. Let me tell you, once you read it, he is going to deal with you about what you need to do. At that time, that is the time you begin to work it out. Don't just put it down and say, oh, no, no, no. Work it out. He just spoke to you. Listen, the Bible is God speaking to us. Prayer is us speaking to God. So when he's speaking, it's going to come from the Bible. See, I'm not into just a prophet telling me any and everything. An apostle telling me any and everything. If it ain't coming from this... I don't need no prophetic word. My prophetic word, let me tell you, everything I need to know about life, situation, circumstance, is right here. And anybody that's not coming from right here is just talking out the side of their neck. Because it's going to be here. I got to hear it here. I got to see it here. I got to see the principle here. I got to see it working here. So before you run up and give me a word, you better make sure you have chapter and verse and scriptures for that. Because that's what I'm going to believe. God has already set out a plan of how I'm to believe. I'm not believing any other kind of way. I'm not believing because you say what your pastor said, your prophet said, your apostle said. That means nothing to me. When you come to me, tell me what God said. And back it up with the word. And guess what? I yield to that. 
But when you come with anything else, I'm not only not going to yield, I'm not hearing it. I'm not letting anything distract me from where God's shown me where to be. And it's always in His Word. Never coming out of that. Never. If you're a Christian, God's Spirit dwells in you. And if God's Spirit dwells in you, at some point in your life, God has spoken to you by His Spirit. Work it out. Whatever He's going to work it out. See, as we go through these objections that I just read to you, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be in His Word. We're going to be in His Word. And as I'm in His Word, you will see some things that you know needs to be done in your life. But the work is obeying what you just saw, see, or what you just heard. See, as we go through and start breaking down and handing out tools, that's when everything comes in. Because that's when you're going to have to obey what's being said. Obedience. As we go through these objectives, God, by His Spirit, is going to speak some things to you because that's what he does. And they're going to be on the inside. He's going to speak. The Holy One lives on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit will lead God and direct you. He's going to speak to you on the inside. It's not going to be by what I said. No. It's going to be what God said. And guess what? And you will know that it is God. You will know that it is God. Did you hear me? You will know that it is God. And when God speaks to you by His Spirit down on the inside, you got to work it out. He's going to be working in you, and in, but you got to work it out. That's your job. Just work it out. And it's not just a saying. It's a real deal. You just can't say it and it's going to work out. You can't just play with it. You know, work it out, work it out. You know, that sounds good. But until you do it, it's just a saying. And it might even sound cute coming from you. But it's not until you do it that it's going to benefit you. And you want it to benefit you. I don't want to just sound good. I want to see the benefits of that in my life. God is going to tell you what to do, but you, <coughs> you got to do it. God is going to tell you what to do, but you got to do it. See, God told Noah to build an ark. That was God working in him. And Noah had to work it out. See, God, it started with God working in him. And, and warning him and telling him to build an ark. But, but it wasn't until he put it in action, he worked it out. It wasn't until he picked up a hammer, nails, wood, and all of those things that he had to pull it together. He pulled it together. God was working in him, but he alone had to work it out. God is going to work in you. But you alone have to work it out. I don't care who's who to you. They can't work it out for you. And parents, I've got to address it. Parents, please stop working it out, trying to work it out for your children. It won't work. It's wasted time. 
It's wasted time. I'm going to tell you that now. Let God work in them and let them work it out. I know some of you are like, oh, don't say that. I w-. Listen, that's the problem. See, you're on the sideline. Just be quiet. Parents, do not try to work it out for them. You're interfering with what God is doing. God is working in them, so let them work it out. Listen, if you've listened to authority, and I'm just not talking about me as being your pastor authority. I'm talking about any preacher or minister that's in authority, your, your pastor, you know, even ungodly folk that God may use because they are in authority on your behalf. If you've listened to any of it, somebody have told, you know, somebody have told you something that you know you need to do. God will use an ungodly person in authority to tell you what you need to do. Because authority is the key. He'll use that. And sometimes you listen to it and you know it came from God. You'd be like, well, I, I don't think, you know, they don't know God. But you know, No, no, no. God will use, though even ungodly, in authority. He's like, well, I've been, I've been trying to get this over to you by somebody that was in authority, that was godly, so now I'm using the ungodly for you to hear. You won't hear it. That's what I'm going to do. And you'd be like, they almost said the same thing pastor said. And then they, but how? They're ungodly. Uh, see, you're trying to figure out, and God's trying to get you to work it out. Because this is the thing. Hearing it, that's not working it out. See, hearing this, that's not working it out. <laughs> Acknowledging, oh yes ma'am, that is true. But that's not working it out. And if I count the number of times, people that say, oh yes, that was so true, this and that. But that's still not working it out. Listen, even accepting that it came from God, that's still not working it out. Oh, I know that was God. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Before you think to yourself, boy, this is going to be tough. Listen, Jesus had to work it out. Jesus had to work it out. God gave him some instructions, and God was saying, I, listen, I am making you the Savior of all mankind. I'm making you King of kings and Lord of lords. But in order for that to happen, you're going to have to first become obedient, even unto death, death of the cross. But if you work it out, and I'm working in you, guess what? I'm going to give you a name that's above every name. I'm going to give you a name that, let me tell you, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord of all. (laughs) In other words, God has something good, pleasurable for you. But you have to work it out. See, he, re- he rewarded Jesus. Jesus, he was obedient to the things that he suffered. But God had already told him, I'm going to give you a name. Everything is in place. God has said, if you work it out, you're going to experience that abundant life that we keep talking about in the Bible that you've yet to experience. The abundant life. 
But God is saying, I'm working in you, but you're going to have to work it out. Now, if Jesus had to work it out, what makes you think that you don't? Certainly we have to work it out. And it was, it was in Jesus working out the instructions from the Father that saved us. That saved us. And now we're in his house as the body of Christ. And it is our ability to obey the instructions from the Father that will save our house and our families. But we've got to work all these things out. We've got to work them out. There's three aspects of obedience, and I'm going to run through these quickly because I'm running out of time. But just follow me. Three aspects. I'm going to be honest with you. The word obedience to me growing up, let me tell you, (laughs) even being grown sometimes, well, not now because I'm older, but even when I was in my 20s and 30s and stuff. But let me tell you, obey, that word obey would sound like, fingernails on the chalkboard. You know, some of it, that's what obedience sounds to you. Somebody say, you know, you need to obey. That's what it sounds like to me. (laughs) Because in your head, somebody's telling me what I need to do. And that's why you spend most of your time when you lived in your parents' house saying, I can't wait to get out of here because ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I can't wait till I get grown. So nobody, I'll be grown. And and you found out since you've been grown that uh, you're paying for it now. But you found out that you're going to have to still answer to somebody. There's always somebody you're going to have to answer to. Know that. I don't care if you have your own business. You're going to have to answer to somebody. And you know what, when you were, you, you know, uh, when you were saying you, nobody never tell me what to do, you know, your main goal was just get out the house. It really wasn't about getting an education, making money, getting a house, you know, that you wanted. To, all you wanted to do is get out for somebody telling you what to do. So now you <laughs> Now you're looking for them to ask them questions to tell me what to do. <laughs> but you didn't want nobody to tell you when you live with me. You wouldn't be where you are if you would have obeyed in the house. So now you got your own life, your own family, or your own whatever. Now work it out. Work it out. You know, we've developed such a disdain for the whole idea of obedience. And now I'm telling you the only way that you can be restored is that you have to obey. You have to get over this chalkboard feeling about that word obey. Three aspects to obedience. And these I want you to, you know, that we're going to take into every lesson as we go through these stages. Now I'm going to do it nice and slow, but I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that you understand what God is trying to do in your life. Because he wants you to work it out. God wants you to do this because he wants you to work it out. Obedience, you know, obedience is going to connect these messages. The three aspects of obedience. To obey means, and I'm 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 going to list them all together. It means listen attentively. Submit fully. And to conform completely. The three aspects of obedience. To listen attentively, submit fully, conform completely. Now, I'm not saying listen to me. I'm saying listen to what God is speaking to your heart. I'm going to listen attentively.
attentively. I'm going to submit fully and conform completely. So watch this. We're going to go through these objectives to be restored. I must, number one, listen attentively. When God is showing me something in his word, I have to listen attentively. When God is speaking something to my heart, and he's speaking something to me by his spirit, I have to listen attentively. In other words, I have to pay attention. You can't be digging in your purse. You can't be looking around. You can't see who's in the dip. You can't do any of that. You've got to listen attentively. When authority is speaking something to me, I know it's coming from God, so I have to listen attentively. Stop being angry with those that are in authority that you don't want to listen. That you have to listen attentively. Now, church, if you be honest, in the natural, we don't always listen attentively. Now, if you were raised by a mother or a woman was in your house and, and, and that helped raise you, you, you know, you probably could relate to this. And I'm related to this because my mother raised six children by herself. My father died a month before I was born, and my mother raised all of us together so I can relate to this and you know but if any of you you can you can relate and if even if you had a father in the house but I'm telling you because mothers can get into this they begin to tell you to do things and then be, be, you have to be honest with that and when they would tell you to do something you wouldn't listen attentively So with mama, grandma, auntie, you know, they would tell you, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, or before I come home, make sure this is happening, or make sure you do this. And in our head, it was much like the Charlie Brown uh, deal. We were hearing, wonk, 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 wonk. That's all we were hearing. That's all, that's all you were hearing. Listen. We were not listening attentively. And at the last minute, before they got home, you tried to do something similar to what you think they said. Oh, let me get something going. And when they came in, <laughs> and it wasn't done properly, they would say, didn't you hear what I said? You did not do what I said. And you'd be like, oh, Lord. You, and they'd be like, nope, you did not do what I said. And then you'd begin to try to explain. Well, you told me, when you start, but you told me you get interrupted with. I did not tell you any of that. And if you notice, they would get louder. They thought that would make you really get their attention. But notice, it didn't get no more attention. It made you madder because they got louder. And they would get louder. Because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. So their voice would go boom. I mean, they would be, oh, you, I told you to do this. You didn't do that. But the volume just went up. Assuming that the increase of volume was able to make you hear. But it wasn't. <laughs> uh, it didn't have caused you to have any greater attention. Most of you are paying for that as parents now. Your inability to listen. Your inability to listen. We were children in our parents' house. We were, you know, you know, where we can do, but God, you know, you know. We, we want to do God the same way. That's what we want to do. We want to do God the same way of just what I just told you. Not listen attentively and do what we want to do. Hmm. 
He could be speaking, and we know he said something, but we didn't pay attention. <laughs> so be restored. Write it down. Letter A. I have to take seriously what I heard. You have to be serious about what you heard. You know, sometimes we don't, we don't take seriously what we heard. You know, sometimes we'll come up and, and you know, and, and people will come up to me after I minister something and they'll ask me questions about a message. The same day that they heard the message. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait, take a minute. Have you even taken a minute to hear it? See, just take a minute. If I'm going to be restored, when I say listen attentively, not only do I have to take seriously what I've heard, but let it be, I have to take the instructions to heart. i got to take it to heart. Whenever there's instructions given by authority, you got to take it to heart. How many of you know you can take instructions and don't take it to heart? Oh, I've seen it so many. I've seen it in this ministry. I've said, you be given instructions, you don't take it to heart. Now, let me tell you something. It's very bad when you get instruction from a person and you don't take it to heart. But it's really tragic when you get instructions from God and you don't take it to heart. See, that takes it to a whole nother level. It's tragic. Oh, you might not see it now, but it is. It's tragic. And there are things that God has spoken to our hearts that we didn't really take it to heart. We really didn't take it on the inside. We said it, it sounded good. Or, oh, we dispersed it. Like, I don't care what they're saying. I do what I want to do. It's amazing how <laughs> a few years changes everything. The parable of the sower. We either let the cares of this world, when you don't let it get down on the inside of you, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of things, other things, just rob it from you. Maybe you let the adversary come in and just snatch the word right out of your heart. You let something get in your way and you didn't take it to heart. Maybe it got difficult. Whatever you were, the challenge you were in. and what, you know, what, Maybe it got difficult and you just said, oh, you know, I can't do this anymore. Something developed in your heart and you didn't let it take root. Listen, if I'm going to be restored, not only do I take seriously what I heard, not only do I take it to heart, but let her see, I have to hear with a heart to understand and obey. I got to live with a heart to understand and obey. See, sometimes we don't want to understand things, just like children. Sometimes we just don't want to understand things. Sometimes we just want to do it the way we want to do it. <laughs> so we really won't obey. You really don't want to obey when you want to do it your way. So you have to hear with the heart, understand, and to obey. You know, to be restored, enough, the second thing, you have to submit fully. Submit fully. Listen, you can obey Please understand this. You can obey without submitting. See, because some people think <laughs> some people think that you, you know that's automatic. If I obey, that I'm submitting. Not necessarily. You can obey without submitting. Hmm. 
As a matter of fact, I did that most of my life growing up. And maybe you have. My mother would ask me to do something. I did it. But I didn't submit. I just did it. I didn't submit. Why? How do you know you didn't submit? Because the next day she had to ask me again. The next day she had to ask me again. So I didn't submit. I did it. Why? Because I didn't want to get popped upside the head. I didn't want to get put out the house. I didn't, I, you know, I wanted to drive the car. See, it was the reason that, see, that's obeying without submitting. You're doing it for a reason. But that's not submission. You can obey and not submit. But the thing about that is, when you obey without submitting, it doesn't produce the desired effect in your life. It does not produce the desired effect in your life. Know that. Hmm. See, there are character things that could have been developed in me, but they weren't developed in me. Why? Because I did what I was asked to do, but I didn't submit. It was not a heart issue. So I never learned why I was asked to do it. It's the same thing that happened with Jonah. Jonah did what God asked him to do, but he never submitted. So in the end, he left. He was left a bitter man hunkered down under, under a tree. In the desert. That's not what God is intended for our life and for his life either. You know, the reason that we don't submit is because we have an incorrect focus. You focus on the wrong thing. We focus on the fact that we've been told something to do instead of focusing on the fact that it's a benefit to doing it. I'll say that again. You got the incorrect focus. When we're told to do something, we focus on being told something to do instead of focusing on the fact that it's going to benefit, you're going to get a benefit from doing it. Instead of saying, why do you have to tell, why do you have to think they have to tell us what to do? I do what I want to do. And well, you, we don't have to tell them, we're grown. We don't, we, we, why do you have to tell us what to do? Why is everybody on our back? Why is everybody on my back? Why is God asking me to do this? Why come we can't do what we want to do? Why come I can't do what I want to do? I don't understand why we have to do everything the Bible says. Not everything. See, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing that God is a man. But listen to this. Whether God or man is asking you to do something... Instead of focusing on the benefit that will come, but instead of focusing on the wrong thing, focus on the benefit that's going to come from it. See, if you take your mind off of what they told me to do something, I'm just not going to do it because they simply told me to. It might even have been the right thing. Get your mind off of that. Put it on, it's going to benefit someone else. 
So restore Under this, I have to do all that's instructed in the Bible that tells us. <clears throat> Listen, in Genesis, that Noah, it tells us that Noah did everything that God instructed him to do. He did everything God instructed him to do. There's a difference. Listen, there's a difference in doing all and just doing enough. There's a big difference in doing all. It says Noah did all that God asked him to do. There's a difference between doing all and just enough. Now, and those of you that have children, have you ever asked your children to do something? And they just do enough to just say they did it. <laughs> so you can't say they didn't do the work, but they did it. But it's very rare that they do everything. We are God's children. We must get past just doing enough. We got to get past that. Listen, just enough, just enough doesn't make you safe. It doesn't make you safe. Just enough won't make you healthy spiritually. Just enough won't make you whole. Just enough keeps you out of hell, but it'll never let you get to glory. It'll never let you get into glory. Ooh, you better get that. I said, it's enough to keep you out of hell, but you will not get into glory. While you're on this earth, you will not get in it. Now, not only do I have to do all that's instructed, but I have to have the proper attitude. And next week, we're going to start getting the tools. It starts next week. And I just want you to listen attentively, submit fully, and have the proper attitude. Ooh, the proper attitude. Because how many of you know that you can obey with an attitude. And I'm not talking about an attitude of joy in your heart. No, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> you can have attitude with God. Fine. Fine. I'm going to listen to it, but don't mean I'm going to obey. Fine, God. See, you, this is the way, this is the way it sounds to you, but this is the way you're actually saying it. You're saying, oh, fine. Fine, Pastor, I'll be there. No, what God here is, fine, God. Fine, God, I'll go on and do it. See, that's what an attitude towards God. You can have an attitude with God. Okay, you want me to go to church? Fine. I'm going, but okay. Okay, you want me to join that ministry? You know, fine, I'll go on and join it. I'll join it because, you know, I think they just need some help in that, that they're fine. <laughs> okay, y'all see me here? I came in, you see me? Y'all see me here? Fine, I'm here. That's obeying with an attitude. <laughs> That's obeying with an attitude. You're, you're here, you're fine, but you have an attitude. Now, if you're going to be restored, not only do you have to have the proper attitude, you have to be committed. Listen, whenever God speaks to your heart, it's not a commit. Listen, whatever God is telling you, it's not a commitment for a day or a week or a month. <laughs> See, 
God doesn't give you diets. God gives you lifestyle. See, we act like God gives us this and I'm going, to, I'm going to obey it just in this little span. No. It's a lifetime when God gives it to you. So I have to be fully committed to the lifestyle that comes with instructions. Listen, let's talk. Let's talk about young men. Young men that, you know, trying to keep themselves and live holy and they make a commitment themselves. I'm going to keep myself until I'm, you know, until I get married and everything, you know, and, you know, I have, until I get into the marriage state. And, you know, and that's crucial and that's good and that's fine. But let me tell you something. When you get married, you got to be even more, more, more committed than that. Because once you're married and you get into that, or you get you you get looking at another woman, or your wife doing whatever, and you get into that, let me tell you, now you messed up the family and another person's family too. So know that it's not just a commitment when you're single. See, you might make a commitment. Okay, I'm gonna keep myself. I'm not gonna violate any woman. I'm not gonna do that. But you know what? You can't just keep it there just for that. Because if you if if you don't take that into marriage. See, it's a lifetime. It's a lifestyle. It's not just for a little span of time. It's a lifestyle. If you're going to be committed, as far as God is concerned, it's a lifestyle. So God's instruction for us, because the stakes keeps getting higher as we move from phase to phase in life. Some of us are getting older. Then I have to conform completely. You have to conform completely. In other words, you have to become what you're commanded to do. Whatever God commands you to do, you have to become that. Did you get it? Because God is going to command you to do some things and you have to become what He commanded you to do. You have to become it. To be restored, I have to obey. Listen, you have to be obey until you have a new life. Keep obeying until I have a new life from what I had. If I don't have a new life and I'm and, 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 and I'm I'm in God's will, but my new I have, don't have a new life, I have to keep obeying. I have to keep obeying until I have a new life. Just keep obeying. Don't get tired until you have a new life. If you're going to be restored, I have to obey until I have a renewed mind. You keep on obeying until your mind, till you don't think like you used to think, till you don't live like you used to live. You just keep on obeying. You keep on obeying. No matter what it costs, I keep on. It doesn't matter. You have to stick with it. Stick with his instructions until my life is new, until my mind has been renewed. I just keep obeying. Every time a word goes forth, I obey. I have to obey these instructions until I become what I have obeyed. You have to become one with it. Everything you got, you become one with. Now, it's not just obedience alone, but it, see, obedience is going to get you there, but all of, you, you, after you obey for so long, it will no longer be obedience. It will just be who you are. Oh, you didn't get that, did you? See, obedience to get you started and keeping you going and make you keep saying yes. But at some point, it won't even be about obeying anymore. It's because it'll be who you are. 
you don't even think of it as a band. It's just something you do because it's a part of who you are. <laughs> you want to heal. You want to be healed? Obey. <laughs> if you want to be healed, obey. Until healing is what you are. Just keep obeying. That's what you're trying to become. You want to be rebuilt? You have to obey until you are completely rebuilt. Keep obeying. So now obedience is not to rebuild. Obedience has rebuilt me, and now it's who I am. See, it'll start you off, and it'll keep you going until all of a sudden you don't forgot about obeying. It's just something you naturally do because it's become one with you. I just naturally obey. You have to keep obeying until you're strong. <laughs> you have to keep obeying until you're strong, until your life is new, until I have renewed my mind. I have to, you know, keep obeying until I have proven the will of God in my life. I'm going to keep obeying until I've proven the will of God in my life. I have to obey until I have proven the will of God. Until someone can look at me and look at your life and they can say, you know what? Your life proves what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God is. I see that in you. See, you want someone to see that. But obedience to get you that, let me tell you, it'll be all over you. You won't even be trying and people can see it. And what did you do? You simply worked it out. You worked it out. And your salvation is what God is working in you. So just work it out. No matter what it is, no matter how far, no matter how it's coming, work it out. It's... You can do that. you got to work it out. No matter what. I'm fully persuaded, God. I'm not moved. I'm not moved about anything. I am going to work this out until I become a... Father, I want it to be that obey is not a word that I hate. Obey, obedience won't even be something I crap. See, a lot of times we have to say, oh, i got to concentrate. You know, i got to obey this. i got to... Until it's not... That's not even a part of it. It's just who I am. I'm ready to obey. Even if it's against what my flesh wants, what, what my will wants. Because let me tell you, you, not my will, Lord, but yours. Father, I want to be fully persuaded till I become one with all that you called me to be. And I'm out of time. I've been out of time. But God is not. He never is. He wants to continue working in you. And, but next week, come prepare. Get your tool belt. Because we're going to start giving out the tools. And remember, you cannot reject the tools. You cannot use them incorrectly. Not only I'm going to give them to you, I'll show you how to use them. But you got to work it out. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com. Thank you.